So, boys, I don't know about you, but this conversation that we had, I think, is probably one of the best conversations we've had on this podcast. I agree. So, we're going to do things a little different. Usually, we do a little cold open. I introduce myself. But today's a special episode. We got to sit down with a man who's a mentor to me, who's been like a second father to Mitch and has almost been like a second father to Ethan as well. This man's coached all of us. We've grown up with him. We all love and respect him. It is Coach John Sacco. He um he's basically shaped our hockey careers and definitely has influenced me into becoming a coach. And we're extremely excited to have him on. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy the conversation we just had with him. So with no further ado, let's get this thing started. Welcome to the boys of 718, everybody. I'm Matt. We got Ethan. We got Mitch. John was here at the start of this episode, but he unfortunately had to leave mid-episode and wasn't here when we recorded this intro. And we got Frankie. We don't know why Frankie's here, but we're rocking with him. And... Our special guest, the man, the myth, the legend, Coach John Sacco. Hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I want to introduce our guest for this week, the man, the myth, the legend, Coach John Sacco. Thank you. Can you hear me? Am I good? Yeah, you're doing good, Coach. How you been? Not bad for an old guy, you know. Coach, you're not day over 25. I don't know what you're talking about. Ah, thank you. It'll be a check in the mail tomorrow, don't worry. (laughs) And shalom. On your smile. Okay. All right. I went over to Coach Sacco's house a few times last week and for dinner. And they would do, they would say grace, and then he would just say, start saying some random Jewish prayer. It was hilarious. Well, you know, we gotta have all bases covered. You never know. <laughs> you never know. So, what's I mean, cooking? That's, that's up to the culinary cop over there. What's cooking there, Ethan? Nothing here today. Nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> I know you had some uh, some stuff you wanted to discuss with us. Now I think uh, I wanted to share some news with us too. Okay, give me a hint. That all you, buddy? No, give me a hint. Uh, Listen, n- nine hours in the ring today. I'm brain dead. I think you want to talk to us about the the coaching styles of uh, past generations and current. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, being in this business a long time, which is kind of weird because it seems like yesterday I started and today I'm so many years later. I'm not going to tell you exactly, but it's longer than you guys are on the face of the earth. Um, you know, I see a lot of a lot of uh, pretenders. I'll call them. You know, a lot of people that uh, claim knowledge uh, have no practical experience, were never trained by uh, experienced coaches, um, or never have uh, really, you know, never really indulged themselves except in their own egos. 
and they're charging just stupid money and people are buying it you know it's it's unfortunate but it's the way the business is right now um, it's kind of hard to uh, tell a parent because there's a coach on the ice that skates really really fast and looks really great or you know has an amazing shot it doesn't make them a good coach um, you know there's no substance there it's all fluff what happens is is that uh, not just myself but there's there's many coaches that I'm very you know I, I have a lot of respect for and uh, you know I've learned from them that's one thing about coaching playing is the same way you can always learn more coaching it seems to go past that a little bit where you never you never stop learning you know there's always something out there that you don't know or haven't seen or something that somebody may come up with that cures a problem that that's a necessity so um, it's certain things is this what it's all about you know and it's unfortunate because now <coughs> excuse me now and in the past you have these new crops of so-called coaches coming in and and uh, you know farming these players and the parents like this sheep it's a shame and they're not learning anything then they'll come to come to me and they'll say oh you know look at what they did to my kid I of course this was hundred and fifty dollars an hour and I took 20 lessons from this you know from my kid for this guy and uh, we're not seeing any results and usually, you know, my answer to them, or I asked them a question, I said, it took you that long to come to me? Or another coach with experience? To find out that you got ripped off? You know? I have some land uh, in Swamp in New Jersey that I'd love to unload. And listen, if you're going to pay that kind of money, just throw it at me. I'll give you the land. Here's the deed. I'll sign it right over. You know? And, and it's, it's, it's a shame. It really is. You know? It's, it's an expensive sport. You put it this way, raising two kids in the sport of hockey, playing hockey myself, and coaching hockey, which you never make a bundle of money unless you're in the NCAA at the D1 level. Some of the D3 schools pay very well. Don't get me wrong. But D1 pays. There's a lot more money there. You know, minor pro, uh, they get paid a decent salary. Uh, Europe, they get paid a decent salary. Here, a lot of the times, you know, you got to hustle to make a living. But the thing is, too, is that, you know, you also have to have a conscience. Um, what I did during the, you know, I'm not trying to blow my own horn, which I would never do. But, you know, sometimes you got to give back. And uh, during the pandemic, I had, uh, Mitchell knows, Mitchell actually skated with me. Um, I, I have an area outside of a park that I can train train kids on Mars blades or roller blades or whatever they have. Um and give them the same type of stuff that I would do on the ice and not charge a dime. Because times are hard. You know, in hard times, sometimes you have to give back. You have to give to others. You have to give to, the, to something that, um, you know, gave you such love and respect and excitement and a living. You know, you have to give back. You can't just take all the time. You know, as you get older, you see these things. Um, you, you know, you have to get back to the you have to get back to the game. You know, it's it's almost like a religious experience. 
you know you can't do bad all the time sometimes you got to do good and I found that you know I was able to to help some players uh, I beat Mitchell like a rented mule you know <laughs> doing these doing these workouts that time the belt, he's them. He's, yeah, he got scars to remember it by. You know, and and we, you know, we enjoyed it. We had some laughs. We we, you know, we have some heavy conversations and we get some exercise in, and that's basically what sport is all about. So, you know, I, I have fifty six or fifty seven people on my list. They're more than welcome. If I go out, they can join me. Um. I'm not going to give you the location because I'd have 10 people up there going, I'll, I'll, I'll escape with you for nothing. You know, it's, I've cultivated relationships with people and, you know, you got to give back to these people and the kids are what it's all about. Not really us, you know? So, and Matthew, you're getting into coaching heavy duty now. You know, you're seeing what it's like on the other side. You know, the recruiting part is tough. You know, you have to sell a program to somebody. That doesn't believe you right is what it comes down to you know I'm not really selling it I'm trying to help you you know and uh, you think I'm trying to sell you something but uh, what's you know, your, so that actually brings up a question I've been having and obviously trying to recruit I'm in a new organization now so the whole recruiting process is a little different what's um something I should be focusing on where I, I'm not basically selling a family a bill of goods where I'm actually trying to be honest with them and try and help them. Like, how do I convince them that I'm not just another salesman that's trying to get their son's money? Oh, uh, I've always, I, I like the Mike Stanaway uh, method of recruiting. You know, Mike basically tells them, you know, I've got nothing to sell you. And he looks people in the eye and he explains what is needed to go to the next level. Okay. And people respect that. You know, the truth is always, the truth will always set you free. You know, and not everybody, you know, a lot of, let me digress. I hate to say it this way, but, and I don't want to insult anybody, but not everybody's stupid. You know, some people see through that. You know, um, I've dealt with my both my sons with uh, recruiters, you know, and they were very honest. The ones that, you know, they are very honest with me and I was very honest with them. You know, this is the situation we're in right now. You know, not what can you do for my kid? You know, it, it's, it, it's, it's a tough, tough thing. As long as you're honest with people, you look them in the eye, you know, the sincerity has to be there. You explain what you have, you explain how that's going to help their player move to the next level you know because junior hockey is tough especially tier three junior hockey it's extremely tough unless it's ncdc people are you know look at you like you have two heads you know why should my kid my star from you know that played midget double a and peoria go to your city and play for your team because we're gonna we're gonna help them get to the next level you know, it's not about anything else. And I love when the parents bring up pro hockey. You're always going to get those who bring up pro hockey. Once I hear that, you know, I tell them, I says, if I knew you better, I'd smack you. Why would you even mention that? I had a few of those the other day. 
what it takes I think the percentage I'm, I could be wrong in this and probably I'm gonna get like nasty emails with people saying ah yeah, yeah get your facts straight I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you an approximation I'll give you uh, you know just the kind of off the top of my head I'm, I'm not sure if this is a hundred percent correct so don't kill me if it isn't every player that from North America that plays either D1 or D3 NCAA, ACHA 1, 2, and 3, Tier 3 juniors, Tier 2 juniors, Tier 1 juniors, is only 23% or 24% of every player in North America will get that opportunity. So when people say, well, I don't want to play, my kid wants to play NCAA. Well, number one, you know, if you have no <laughs> no real hook to get in there. You have no one that really wants your kid. And they want to continue to play hockey. You can play ACHA. It's not NCAA. It's not, you know, it's it's privately funded. It's not by, by you know, so forth and so on. And it's, it's good hockey. It's still hockey. You know, um, I got a phone call today from... Uh, a D3 ACHA coach that was looking to recruit. We had a little conversation. I've known him since he played midget hockey, actually Bantam hockey. And um, great, great young man out on Long Island and uh, excellent hockey player. And we, we spoke about this. You know, there, there are opportunities for your child to play in college. There are opportunities. But there's a bridge to get there. And that bridge is junior hockey. Um, now I'm going to digress a little, even even further. I had uh, when number two son played um, played in the USHL. Before he got there, I got a phone call. There's a tryout. Or it's a it's a you know a tryout or a combine or whatever you want to call it. And um, it's going on for two days. It's up in a Westchester Skating Academy. Uh, could you get him up here? But I said, yeah, he was playing um, He was playing in the Met League at the time, Tier 3 Juniors, and he was 16 years old. So I get him up there. It was, took a lot, but we got up there. Just made it in time. It was $500. $500 just, for, just to get on the ice. So out of that, there were four teams. So you have nine forwards, six defensemen, and two goalies on each team. They play two, uh, I believe it was 25-minute halves, if I can remember. Two 25-minute halves. And this goes on for two days. So you figure with all of those players that were there, each paying $500, you do the math, okay? Take a guess how many players was was selected by this team in the USHL. One. Okay. One player. So that's your odds right there. So later on I was able to, to get on the bench. They would invite me and come get on the bench and help run them. And I do it and I, I'd call the players in. You know, generally the coaches would stand on the bench and let them go. I call them and I said, Listen, this is the deal. This is what we're gonna do. I want you everybody to relax. I want everybody to go out and have a good time. Do what you could do, but have fun doing it. Okay, go up, go down, get off. Everybody's gonna get a shot at this second half. The goalies will switch. Everybody gets enough ice time. 
okay? But if you get on that ice and you're squeezing the cheese, there is no way you're going to show what you can do, okay? Is every you know? Is everybody in complete agreement? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Let's go get them. And I had a lively bench. It was good. They were talking to each other. They're going out. They were playing really well and having fun. So, you know, that's that's what you need to do in this sport. But then you look at it and you say, okay, the USHL, Tier One Juniors, right? That's our major juniors here in the United States. Okay, it's a tough, tough place to play. These are the plays that are going to go D1, most probably D1, most probably going to, you know, if they have a good career in a couple of years there, um, you know, could go play D1, you know, and from D1 possibly drag, you know, there's, there's so many things down the line from there when it opens up. Not everybody's going to get the opportunity to do that, you know. So when you recruit, you have to give them the facts. You have to be honest with them. You have to tell them, this is, this is what the odds are. This is really what it's all about. So when, you know, you get the stars out of your eyes. Otherwise, I can't help you. But I'll tell you the truth. In the worst, worst case scenario at the end of the day, your child's going to get an education. Because we're going to give you that bridge to get to that education. Because we will get them into a school. Not guarantee it's going to be the school you want to go to. All right. Um, two seasons ago... I was still coaching juniors. I was a defensive coach for the New York Aviators, the premier team. And there was a pl there was a player on the team that uh, had a list of schools, and uh, was almost you know saying you're not you're not doing anything for me. You're not doing anything for me. So I you know they came to me and asked. So I went to the head coach and I says you know what's the deal? I says well, this kid never followed up on anything. He didn't do his diligence. I led him there. I gave him the bridge to get there. But he decided he would cross at his time when he felt like doing it without being responsive and responsible to the people that I was trying to get him through the door with. Okay, so a lot of that hinges on that too. That's why your position is extremely difficult. You know, you have to have all of these little bullets in your holster to, to go in and to convince this kid, listen, we can do this. Look at my track record. Look what I've done. You know, it's not bragging. It's not ego. It's fact. Allow me that that to give you that bridge to get to the other side. Now, what are some of the um, what are some tools that you think a young coach like me should definitely like focus on? Like starting out, obviously, I didn't coach at the younger levels to begin. I jumped right into the big boys in the junior level. Um, what are some of the things that like I should be focusing on when trying to communicate with these guys and trying to build relationships? Um, you, you know, you, you, you can almost get on a personal level without being too personal. Um, you know, there's a lot of anxiety that comes with it, moving away from home, especially from, a, you know, you have a player that's never been to a city. Right. And there are players out there. I've had Western Canadian kids that have never been in a city. That, you know, now it's a shock. So they need that reassurance. Um, you know, they, they need to know that it's okay, that somebody cares about them. So you want to you want to calm the anxiety. You want to show them that, you know, the world is not a totally evil place. You know, you get to play hockey, you get to do certain things. 
you know, this is this is what we're able to do for you, you know, as far as online schooling and getting that out of the way and any questions and be, you know, be open to having them communicate with you. You know, you can't chase everybody. Sometimes they have to feel comfortable enough when they come to you and say, you know, I believe in what you're doing. I trust you. My parents aren't here right now. So you, in essence, are becoming the, you know, the parent, their hockey parent. You know, so this, the, you have to look at it that way as well. You get to, you need to get to know them, you know. Um, prime example, uh, in Brooklyn, I used to, what I used to do is I'd hold, you know, I'd invite some of them over to my house for dinner. And I had my wife would cook for them or whatever. And we sit around the table and we talk. And you ask them about where they're from. And you ask them about, you know, the things that they've done when they were home. And what do you miss? And, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? And do you ask, do you need anything? Do you need help? Do you need help with anything? Is there something you need? You know, these are important things um, in building relationships. You know, because it's not just coaching. You have to build relationships with your players. Your players have to want to go out on the ice for you. You know, the first thing they represent is what's on what's on the front of the sweater. You know, the next thing they want to do is to you know is to please their you know authority figures. You know, um, just to do the best for you for the organization, and understanding that they get a benefit from it at the end of the day. I will say you said one thing of that they represent the front of the sweaters and there was one thing you made us always do as a Peewees and that was to keep the front of the logo facing out whenever we would go into a locker room. I will say to this day that I still make guys do that. I don't care where we are or what road trip we're on. I always make sure that's done. I've had, um, I've had players walk on the jersey. I've had junior players because we put, you know, you put the rug in the middle of the room. Mm -hmm. And they have to understand that you have to respect, you know, you have to respect it. Respect is a big thing in this game, you know. There's no, respect is never given, it's always earned. But the fact of the matter is, you know, and you're going to come across this. You're going to get a kid that's going to come from NCDC, right? Because either they weren't good enough or they did something stupid and they wound up in your lap. Right. So you got the ego coming through the door. So right away, that's what that's what you're dealing with. You're not dealing with the skill and everything else. Right away, they think they're better than everybody. You are not better than what's on the front of that jersey. Okay. Now you're in our room. You respect it. You respect the people around you. Listen, maybe you got it dealt a bad hand. We all do. You know. But now you're not going to make the best of it. You're going to earn your way to going back to where you want to be. And you'll do it here. You know, I, I had I, I had players. I just sat down with them and told them, I said, your, your attitude stinks. Your attitude stinks. I know, along with probably 300 other people, why you're no longer in NCDC. Why you got bounced out. Okay? Now, you have another chance right now to, you know, to help yourself. To have a clean record. To, to go and reinvent yourself. If you choose. But if you go from here, there's no way back. 
that's it. You know, it's it's not an easy game. It's not an easy game to coach, but I think your love of the game, you know, and the respect that you have of the game will help you doing what you you know doing what you want to accomplish what you want to accomplish. You know, just be truthful. Always be truthful. You know. What's um one thing that um you always took pride in, like when leading the team? Um, anytime anybody gave everything, I was I was happy. Anytime anybody put a hand out to one of their you know fellow players and helped them up, I was happy. You know, um, there's different things in this game that make you happy. You know, when you have a five-year-old student, when you teach and learn to play, who's so scared to go out, you make them have fun and they laugh and they have a good time and you goof around and, and they come in at the end, they, they hug you. It's, that makes me happy. That sounds like Ethan every time he uh, gets off the ice to this day. <laughs> Uh, Ethan hugged me quite a few times. <laughs> quite a few times. I always I liked the way Ethan played. Scared for his life. A lot. How many of those times was he scared for his life? Was he scared for his life? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. <laughs> no, Ethan, Probably every Ethan, time. No, Ethan was a good hockey. He's a good hockey player. You know, I always liked the skill. He worked hard for me. Uh, the last time I coached him was with the uh, the elite team on the Aviator, and he worked hard for me. He did. He showed up. He practiced. He was prepared. He got on the ice. Yeah, it's the same guy. I know you. You know. You, I, I brought him out to Montana. He didn't do half of that. <laughs> but he was. You know, he played well for me there. You know. Listen, I'm. Not, you know me. You all know me. I'm not an easy person to play for. I demand. You know, because I want to get the best out of you. You know, and if, if you don't want to get the best out of yourself, um, I have to get that out of you. You know, that's another thing with coaching too. It's just too many, too many different personalities and so forth and so on. So you've obviously been around the game long enough and have seen the change in the way players are, the way players behave, what players listen to. Do you still think that? the hard-nosed type of coaching that you gave us all growing up can still be effective? I do. Um, you know, you could be hard-nosed, but you you need to know when not to be. You know, um, some coaches take it to the extreme. You know, there's no reason for that. You have to be in control. Just picture picture this. You're on a, you're on a commercial airline. And all of a sudden, the captain, the pilot, is on the intercom and loses himself and starts carrying on. Everybody on that plane fears for their life. Now, I'm not talking, you know, this is apples and oranges, but it's the same kind of thing. You know, you need to be a leader. You need to be able to lead. And you need to back up everything you say. Right. You know, if I say, I'm going to punch you in your face... Well, I'm going to punch you in your face. All right? Yeah. It's, you know, that's the way it has to be. 
You know, tr the truth will always set you free, even though most people don't like it. So. You know? Um, I've coached three out of four of you, I think. Right. Yeah. At one point. You know? So, you know, it's... I demand a lot because I demand a lot of myself. So I demand a lot of my players because I know you're there for a reason. You wouldn't play for me if you weren't. You know, junior hockey is a little different. Actually, it's a lot different. You know, um, I was able to Mike Stanaway. Mike is Mike between Mike and Jimmy Ayuchi and Oscar Lindbergh. Um, I had you know you know Mike is like. He's he's just like the great deceiver. I wouldn't say the great deceiver, but he's what he'll do is uh, you know he'll say uh, he said to me I was you know I, I stepped away from junior hockey and after about five six years and he four and a half years almost five years and he said to me uh, he took a job he was coaching out in Long Island with the uh, Long Island Sharks or the Long Beach Sharks. And he goes to me, he asked me one day, he goes, listen, I need you to, you know, because my specialty had become defenseman after a while. And, uh, you know, at the, especially at that level. And I started writing programs, the trained defenseman, and so forth and so on. And Mike says, could you come out once a week to, uh, you know, give me a hand with the defenseman? I was, you know, Mike, of course, any for you. And Jimmy's out there, Jimmy Ayuchi. And we had um, Gilles Villemur. I don't know if you guys know who Gilles Villemur is. Um, he is, was one of my idols growing up. He won the Vezina in 71-72 with the Rangers and a wealth of knowledge. So I went back to school with him as well. And, you know, Mike, I said, listen, you know, I really could use you a second day. Could you come out and, you know, give me a hand? So okay, Mike, yeah, absolutely. Jimmy's there, you know, Jill's is there, Mike's there. That was three days. Then I'm on a bus at 3 o'clock in the morning going, wait a minute, I'm not getting paid for this, man. What am I doing? I said, I swear to God, I would never do this again. You know, going to some god-awful place somewhere in New England that I've never heard of, you know. And, uh, you know, how the heck am I going to get out of here? So, <laughs> and I'm on a bench. I'm going, you know, all right, who did this, you know? But that's the way Mike, Mike is. But, uh you know, we've we've coached together for a while. Jimmy Ayuchi I've known forever, and Oscar actually had the, the pleasure to coach Oscar a little bit, and uh, he's a phenomenal coach. He's back in Sweden right now, unfortunately and unfortunately. But uh, and Jill's uh, Jill's unfortunately got sick. I haven't seen him in a while. I am in contact with his wife, and uh, always wish him the best and look in on him. But uh, that's hockey, man. That's hockey. And, um, I'm excited to actually get to coach against Stanaway this year. Obviously, I got to play for him for a little while when I was with Aviator. But it's definitely going to be interesting being on the other side of the bench. Well, listen, you know, it's it's like a natural thing for you, um, you know, coaching. I got Mitchell out there with me all the time. So, you know, you're a good player. You're going to be a good coach. So... You know, I have no doubt. How is Mitch doing as a coach right now? I was just, yeah. 
Well, he's he's one of he's one of my right hand guys, you know. I can't say right hand man because I have women out there. I got you know, female coaches out there. So Mitchell's always he's another one of my sons. He's just you know, always there. He's either in my house sleeping or eating or something, <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, I would, I would randomly pop I would randomly pop up and say that anyone order a Jew. Well, you know, you're just you're one of us. You know, you're oh, one yeah. of us. Oh, no. Oh, Mitch, uh, give up being a doctor and uh, come be my assistant one day. Well, you know what? It's Are you, are you going to pay me $400,000 a year? I don't even get paid close to that. Oh, so no. <laughs> exactly. So let me be a doctor. <laughs> well, you don't get rich coaching hockey. You get you get rich coaching horses, but you don't get rich co- coaching hockey. It's amazing. It, does, it doesn't seem to make sense. <laughs> it's not a work and effort that goes into this. I I can't believe it. Sometimes. Could you, yes. Oh my god. The way I it's going this off season, I might have a head looking like yours soon. Let me tell you, it didn't fall out because of that. But, you know. <laughs> Didn't fall out because of that. And I can't keep a yarmulke around. I got to staple it. It sucks. <laughs> what are you going to do? I remember the, the one the one thing that – I think it was before my first game at with Aviator, my first year at Aviator, I asked Coach Sacco, any, any like, free game jitters to get rid of? He goes, just don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> don't suck. I, I still remember that. I just – just don't suck. That's it. Oh, Walk the way your direction. Uh, it's like you know what? It's uh, some guys when it you know the pregame rituals. Some of them are bizarre. Some <laughs> of them are bizarre. You know, you get the naked guy. You get the guy that's in the shower until it's game time. You get the other guy throwing up. You know, this guy's stretching, doing push-ups, all kinds of stuff. At the end of the day, as long as they perform, you know. Whatever works. Whatever works. I just played in my first game on Friday, last Friday. I haven't played, jeez, I don't know, about six months, seven months. So, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're in your teens, you could take a month off and get back on it. You know, when you're my age, it's a little bit more difficult, although I do, you know, I do skate most of the, most during the week. I skate most of the time, but not competitively. Right. So I went out and and uh, you know I had a great time. It felt great just to be out there, just to be out there. I got to play with my older son and uh, Dylan. I got to play with Dylan Forsett, and uh, my daughter-in-law was the goalie. So you know, then I changed teams, so I got to shoot on her. So. <laughs> I trapped her the whole time. Four? I no, I had three shots on her. Three shots on, uh, two shots on goal. No, let me digress. I had three shots on goal, on her, and I had uh, two assists in the game. And I dangled a guy in the corner. It was Mitch? No, it wasn't Mitch. I dangled a guy in the corner, and everybody stood up and cheered, like, "Oh my God, where did that come from?" I don't know where it came from either, but it it worked. So, I but I had a great time. You'd rather have me out there or a cone? Like they're pretty, we're pretty similar in that aspect. Listen, I'm, you know, when I saw the video of it, I go, "Oh my god, I'm so slow." And then I realized that was only the warm up, so it wasn't so bad. 
That's where I usually perform at, Mitch. And me and Mitch perform best. Ethan, that was all your ice time during some games. Exactly. Hey, I was supposed to go to BU or NBC, BU or BC to be a, their first line door opener, okay? I feel like this, this – sometimes I feel like I got to get back in shape just so I could play against Coach Sacco now. I tell you what, I just – it's funny how things come back to you, you know? It's funny how things come back. I trapped the whole game. I haven't done it in so long, you know? I kept, you know – Hitting my daughter on the back of the legs where the pads were and saying, I'm here all day. <laughs> so there's another show at 3 o'clock, you know. The, uh, but it's it was fun. It was great. I had a blast. Uh, um, they delegated me to the older team with the older guys. And some of these guys are really good, too. So, But it's a fun bunch. It is a fun bunch. Um just laughs you know what it is when you go into a hockey this is what separates hockey from every other sport is you know listen I'm not a kid anymore I understand that I still feel like one I still think like one but I'm not a kid anymore I'm in the locker room with 20 year old guys okay 30 year old guys 40 year old guys and it's the same stuff that I had in the locker room when I was in my 20s in my 30s, you know, so forth and so on. It doesn't change. The culture is still the same, and it's hilarious. It's the same crap, you know. It's just hockey is hockey. Hockey is hockey. How come you're sleeping? Am I boring you? Oh, okay. Ethan just shows no respect to anybody in life. That is not true. So... How much would it take to get Frankie on skates? Hmm. I don't think there's enough money. Uh, no, I'm just like not teachable. I take Frankie skating a few times. Is that, no. that we'll, we'll we'll sort of go fund me just for that. I'll take him up on the river. Up on you're gonna die. Yeah. You're gonna die. You're gonna either yak, bleed piss or shit yourself. I feel like we gotta make Frankie do one week of Coach Sacco's training. It's fun. It is. It's fun. Dude, just so Frankie knows how ruthless he is, he had kids on our peewee team passing out during training camp. <laughs> what a bunch of wimps. Soft. You, have to, you have to see what he makes the, the little 8, 9, 10 year old kids do during this week. Absolutely ruthless, and I love it. I get to yell at them too. <laughs> now, Matt, can you handle it? Listen, oh, I was uh, no. I was trained by Soviets. I learned from them, you know. And talk about we see it as ruthless; they saw it as normal. Tough as nails, tough, tough, but great hockey players. Great hockey players. Here's another thing, too, just to let you know, Matthew, in your coaching career, you get an opportunity to speak to guys that are, you know, all over. Um, you go to these symposiums. You go to the USA Hockey levels, you know, when they have somebody there. And you see coaches at different levels, different uh, colleges, different pro, you know, different uh, 
pro levels and it's very interesting you, you learn a lot from them you know because it's a different culture you're not used to so uh, international you know I had um, I had a great opportunity to uh, to sit with Ludak Bukash who is really basically the genius that you know of the Czech Republic and Slovakian hockey teams when it was Czechoslovakia so you know I, I spoke to him about his methods and his training and his system work and all like you know all that kind of stuff man you can't buy that kind of education and it's just to learn from you know from people that have been there before you it's amazing it really is amazing you know you always keep that open always learn always looking to learn more you never know everything about a game that changes and moves so fast you know so do you have okay. any advice for a young coach on like how to attack a junior hockey game like what do you think um is some things to focus on especially in the tier three level and you know the division i coach in what uh what side of the bench are you running forwards or defensemen or, or uh for premier i'll probably be running defense for elite probably forwards okay um anytime that i handled uh forwards it's just a matter of you know not staying on the ice too much to knowing how to make safe changes uh to play within the system um you know to point out you you can't during a game time all right you're in a battle you know you, you don't want to be critical you have to be factual sure. um with the defensemen it's uh i go through more technical stuff than i would with a forward um because the fact is that defense is a more technical and you know technical uh orientated position you have uh certain parts of the ice that you need to know about you, you have certain areas certain speeds um when we have a chance we could sit down and i'll go over some stuff with you um it's it's just it's it's hard to you know to give you a summary and say this is this is what you need to do or you could do this because too many things too many variables uh, forwards are easy compared to defensemen goalies now you're a goalie so you know goalies you know how they think you know how they you know what they need uh, not all coaches do so that's something that you have in your arsenal you know that's in your book that you can say okay this is what we need to do and this is how you should handle this and you know on the two on one yeah you should have been more vocal you know i have what i call sacco's three laws this is for defensemen and for forwards this is what kills defensemen and it will kill a goaltender but forwards need to know it on the opposite side number one number one is weak side weak side is the number one death of defensemen and goaltenders okay the second one is rebounds you have three seconds or less to eat it shove it up your ass or throw it over the boards because in that three seconds when you get down to one you're in trouble that puck is still loose Okay, and the third one is lack of communication. Goalie is in charge. The goalie has to tell everyone what they cannot see or direct the defenseman accordingly. Without that, you're not going to have any success in your zone. 
that is imperative. So, um, there was one thing that I had. I had two defensemen a couple of years ago. One was 6'3 and about 210 pounds. The other one was 6'4, about 220 pounds. And these guys were monsters. Now, I'm 5'8. Right now, I stand at 161 pounds. Yet I was to take to pick them up and fling them like they were ragdolls because there's a certain technique in, in order for a defenseman to clear the, clear the crease, which a lot of coaches don't use and defensemen don't know because that needs to be clear. But I need to know that by my goaltender yelling at me and telling me what to tell them what I see, where I should be. There's things they see that you cannot. So, well, we, we can always go at go at that at a later date if you'd like. Oh, for sure. Honestly, anytime I could get information, especially from a coach who has way more experience than I do, I'm always open ears. Um, no, yeah, what did you need? Sacco house in a few weeks. What was that? We can make a trip to the Sacco house next week. It's fine. I there think we might have to. There you go. I'll come pick you up. As long as camp is over by that time. This is day one of, of the third week of, of hockey camp, and to be honest with you, I don't even know how I'm still standing up. How is it running a camp? Like, how do you feel running a camp each year? It's tough. I mean, you know, it's Chris Werstein and I, so, you know, he could step in or I could step in, you know, and it's getting close to the season, so it's a little bit hard for him. Uh, but when he is on the ice, it's definitely a bonus because I have to worry about less. Running a hockey camp is difficult. And when you have 30 to 32, 33 players on the ice of all different ages and sizes and skill levels, who some have some issues with certain things. Um, you know, kids are frightened. Some kids are frightened. I mean, it's, 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 like a, it's like a potpourri of holy crap. So you try to keep a discipline. You, kind of, you know, plus I have great coaches. Honestly, I have great coaches. I got Mitchell there. Schwabi was there for, with us for a while. <clears throat> I have Dylan Forsett. I have uh, uh, Alex Young. Uh, who else? Who else do we have out there? I'm going to have to stop my head because I'm half brain dead at this point. Who right. else, Mitch? That's really it. You know, I have plus the volunteers. I have volleys. We call them the volleys from uh, uh, Dan McGinnis and uh, um, a couple of others that come down and help and, you know, help out and it's just uh, amazing. And plus, uh, you know, a few other people work in the rink. So it's, you know, you have a good crew. That's half the battle. You know, you know you can trust them. That's another part of the battle. But, you know, you are responsible for everybody. Yeah. And plus, you got to, you know, you got to work them out. You got to work them hard. I had a kid out there. Well, we had a kid out there, I should say. It was a corporate, the corporate we. Um kid it was first time at a camp this kid couldn't skate and of course the tears come out the anxiety comes out Mitch I told you not to cry <laughs> <laughs> you know what do you do yeah you get I got down to the kids level and said listen it's not that bad there's no reason to cry you're here you want to be here yes okay let's suck it up pilgrim let's go you know and the kid skate the kid, I kid, kid I, by the end of the day the kid could skate so we did our job, all of us. You know, the kids have to believe in themselves. They have to have that anxiety wiped away. 
and understand that your parents can't come out here and do this for you. Now you're on your own. You know. Next year you got to remind me when the camp is going on because I would have loved to come down and help out this oh, year. Would love to have you. I tell you. Oh my God. You know, the more hands, the less work. You know, you definitely got me in for next season. That's for sure. All right. Excellent. I'm gonna hold you to it. I'm gonna hold you to it. It's blood, sweat, and tears, and ang, ang- and uh, you know, trying to keep up with. You know, it's like opening up a be a hornet's nest. Going, okay, let's go fly hockey. But you know, you keep them disciplined, keep moving, tire them out. You know, the kids feel like they've accomplished something at the end, so that's a good thing too. But we'll, the, we'll have Matt start demoing drills at some point. Oh, here you go. <laughs> Just to let you know, it's been what close to 100 degrees outside for the first two weeks of camp. So inside that building, those buildings, it's hot. Yeah. It's got to be 80 degrees in there. So the combination of, you know, the movement and that kind of heat, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Is the ice holding up well? The ice is surviving. We um, We have a new Zamboni driver. Plus, uh, she's she Christina. She got she's very good. Uh, she learned from you know from a couple of the guys there. The crew is small since the pandemic, so. And we have. Um, I don't know, do you remember the Bucci brothers? They used yeah. to play for the Moose. With their father, Luciano, he cuts that. It's like a sheet of glass. He's an ace with a zamboni. He's worked all over. He knows his business. He's very very good. So, you know, they've, they've been really doing their di- diligence on the ice, but with that kind of heat, it's still difficult. <clears throat> still difficult to maintain. Now, shifting the conversation away from hockey a little bit, obviously you got five idiots who don't really know what they're doing in life at this point. <laughs> What's some uh, wise advice you could give us to help us, like, moving forward, especially John, Frankie, Ethan, who are – Finishing up college and just really getting into life now. Okay. Watch your money. Watch your money. Watch your money. Whatever you could put, you know, dig a ditch in the the front yard or the backyard and put it in a plastic bag and put some concrete around it because the way that, you know, everything is going now with jobs and everything else, it's tough. You know, civil service, I know at least one of you has put in for civil service. Fire department test is coming up. Um, Nikki Battaglia, excellent goalie, another one of my favorites. Um, you know, he called me one night. In fact, it was funny because I was driving up to Massachusetts for a game. And uh, he asked me, he goes, uh, says, I have, I have an issue. He says, I could go into the next fire department class, or I could play as the fourth guy on a college, D, you know, on a D three college team. And my thing was this: this is I can't tell you what to do, but as a parent, I'll give you what my answer would be as a parent. The fire department, or any civil service, is a million dollar job. And I call it a million dollar job because at the end of it, you get a pension get a pension. Now, the fire department is not an easy job. It's a tough, tough uh, academy to get into. 
physically. Uh, it's a physical job. But as a hockey player, every firehouse in the city of New York has a hockey team. So, and since they work three days a week, right? Was it basically three days a week? Well, actually, they're working more because of the uh, <coughs> the lack of, of bodies in, in the job. Um, but they play all the time. You know, you can't do better than that. You know, plus they have their A team. They have tournament teams. It's, you know, it's a pretty well together job. So, and he did. He took that, you know, at the end of the day. And he's very happy he did. And he's playing more hockey now. He's, he's the starting goalie for the the, uh, the FDNY team. Yeah, I was there when he played. He was incredible for him. Yeah. yeah. So, Trump and I watched that game on the TV. It was incredible. I think half of Brooklyn, who knows Pataglia, watched that game. The funny thing is, is that uh, at the end of that game, when Dermody fought uh, JP, John Peretta, mm-hmm. the funny thing is that I know them both very well. And so I couldn't root for either one. And being retired from, from the police department, you know, it was kind of like, I got to kind of like edge for them. I couldn't because of JP, you know, I love the kid. He's one of the best defensemen I ever had on my team, you know, at the junior level. So it was kind of hard, you know, and I know Dermody forever. So just watching that. Dom and Nana went to the game with uh, Dan McGinnis, who's a lieutenant in the fire department, and uh, they were wearing PD stuff. And they're getting abused in the fire section. I said, well, it's, you know, it's, you got you to expect that. It's all in good fun, you know. Yeah, that's what I did with my dad, because I sat with him in the fire section. I was wearing some PD clothes. <laughs> you got abused. Uh, what was it said? Listen, that's why I stopped going to those games, because after a while, it was like, you know, my kids were young, and it was like, I can't do this. Not with the kids, you know. But uh, it's funny, though, because a lot of these guys that are there, I know them, I've coached them, I've, you know, so forth and so on. But it's the next step in life, you know. It's the next step. So, and then number one son, my guy, is play, he plays for the PBA team, but he's in a different, uh, he's in a different, uh, area so you know it's amazing it's amazing how things come full circle but there's always hockey you will always have the game you know God bless. the what God bless that. it's just it's amazing where is Dr. Katz we need him right now well he's out of, he's in the rink somewhere you know hey, there you going? go there you go no there's um there's some days where I'm like extremely thankful that I stayed in hockey and I'm now coaching because obviously when you design practice you get to be a little selfish and make up drills where you you're involved so you can still get that little playing going living the dream you still living the dream that's what Alex and I were doing today we did so we had the kids do quarter battles for a little bit that was excellent by the way and they were like eight nine years old so we go Let's demonstrate to the kids what they have to do and how it's supposed to look like. So you just see the two of us go as hard as we can as for normal practice in the corner, no gear, nothing. Just full on checking each other into the boards, throwing ourselves at the puck. It, I would listen. But they, they needed that. Those kids needed that. 
you know, and the goalie Sophie, she needed that as well to know that this is, you know, this is the game. This is the real game. I think at one point we had them, we had all eight kids go in once and just so we were just there like, what do I go? What do I do? It's amazing, isn't it? I think I got to ask, you, what's, what's your opinion on um, the way USA Hockey is changing the development? I have to say I don't agree with it. Not all of it. Um, I think some of their focus, they've kind of lost it a bit. You know, um, whenever somebody does something for a long time, sometimes uh, it's just an expression. They get long in the tooth. Long in the tooth means that's how when you open a horse's mouth. Yeah. Their ages, you see how long, they, how big their teeth are, how long they are. That means how old they are. And, you know, sometimes you need fresh blood to have a different perspective on things. Um, you know, I would like to see USA Hockey be more dynamic and more accessible than just putting out programs and leaving it to, uh, you know, to the lowest level of which is rank wide. Um, you know, I, I'd like a better focus with that. Um, they've done some great things. I think the national team, the national team has, has come up quite a bit. Um, but you know, the, the, a lot of the, a lot of what they do seems to be that they're not as connected as they used to be. Um. I can't go further than that because I'm starting to get back into that now. Right. So I'm dealing with it more, so I have to look further into it. But right now, as of now, you know, I, I would prefer things seem to be, you know, they don't seem to be as accessible as they used to be for whatever reason. I don't know. It could be because of, you can't keep blaming everything on the pandemic, but to, to be honest about it, you realize our lives were shut down for almost three years. For the most part, you know, as as much as you think it wasn't, there were areas where it was. You know, where things changed. You know, somebody asked me, "Is these are these things ever going to stop?" It's probably not. This is the new way. You know, this is the new way of, of thinking. This is the new way we are doing things. And through that, a lot of things get out of control. Too many things got out of control. Um, the best thing was that, and Mitchell will tell you this, that we all decided to kind of focus on what we were doing. You know, drawing guys, I said, come on, we're gonna, I'm going to go out and skate. I'm going to take a rip. You want to come with me? And then other people would ask, can we do that too? And, it would, you know, and the next thing you know, we're all just, you know, basically in decent shape. Um, I had a health, health scare about a year and a half ago. And, uh, I had to get myself in better shape. I had to lose a lot. I lost 82 pounds. It was that or die. So I decided to lose the 82 pounds. And I did it through hockey. Because hockey can cure everything. So it's the cure-all for everything. That was going to be my next there question. Goes, Obviously, yeah. I haven't played in three years. And I skate every day, obviously, with practice, but... How, how do you stay in shape? I find myself gaining more weight or just not being able to lose it anymore. 
Well, the biggest the biggest issue that with with weight and with weight loss and you know with me it was uh, I'm hypertensive. That's being a cop for twenty years. That'll kill you. You do civil service, you know there's something gonna go wrong with you. You, you just because you don't take good care of yourself as much as you try or people say they do. It's almost impossible. It's stressful. You don't eat properly. You know, so forth and so on. All the checklist all the way down. So, you know, you got to remember something. You you have to watch what you put into your mouth. Eating, especially, you have to eat as an athlete as well. You know, I'm gonna let me digress, which I've been doing through this entire conversation. And I don't mean to point fingers or make fun of people, but in this case, I will. There was a soccer coach, an arrogant soccer coach, that decided to parade in front of me. And I'm looking at him, and I'm saying, I don't know how you see your feet or you get your shoes on, pal, but you should put your nose down because there's nothing about you that's so fantastic. And you're teaching kids, and you look like a beach ball with legs. So you're a soccer guy, you can't run up and down the field. You know, and I'm not going to go over and give you mouth to mouth a punch in the chest. I'll just throw the dirt on you and say goodbye. You got to focus on what you put in your mouth. You know, and I got to wait. Listen, we do this. Coaches get hurt. They get injured. All right, they have stress. You know, this. You know, and you go out and you say, ah, you know what? Let me go and relax. I'm going to take two or three pops of carbo carbohydrates. Well, I'm going to eat. Or that, you know what? I'm tired. I don't want to cook anything. Let me get that greasy burger and swallow it, you know? And before you know it, you're unhealthy. Yeah. And you're doing a physical job. So you have to be able to go onto that ice and portray yourself as someone that knows what they're doing. As someone that's able to, you know, to, to not only, you know, walk the walk, but talk the talk. Right. You know? So, you know... That's why when you see, the first thing that people look at is how they skate, how somebody skates. You know, how somebody skates. Um, how they, how they, you know, how they appear on the ice, what they look like. You know, you don't want to, you don't want your kid or you don't want to be paying, you know, for your kid to go on the ice with a guy that's dirty or can't skate or was 500 pounds, you know, that kind of stuff. It doesn't work. But the thing is, too, is that you're not doing yourself any justice if you're not in shape. Right. So, you know, one thing to the next, just, you know, watch your diet, watch your intake, you know, of everything. And skate, get out and work, get in the gym, get on the bike. Um, that was another thing that the pandemic did. The pandemic made people lazy. Again, we're lazy Americans, you know. Um, going to the rink. Especially when it gets cool. I don't do this during the hot weather because it's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> but I ride my bike. It's seven miles round trip. Plus what I do on the ice. You know, I come home. I lift weights. I do. I'm on the stationary bike. I skate almost every day. Either on the ice and or on the top. You know, using the Moss Blades, which I'm not, I'm not pushing. But if they want, want to give me a contract... <laughs> and to hear this, I am available. Um, so I'm available through this podcast, and you can hire me. 
Uh, Make sure to tag them when this episode comes out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, They've been a godsend. They've been a godsend. Um, You know, and through through that, there's even more relationships have opened up. I've recruited approximately 15, 16 kids just from skating away from the rink and asking me about it. And so, you know, so forth and so on. Their kids, my kid wanted to play hockey with him. Well, this is what we can do for you. You know, but I don't know if I can afford the equipment. I don't want to plug anybody, but there's a gentleman out in the Massapequa Park that owns a play it again sports. His name is Scott Chesney. His store is 80% hockey. He is one of the premier fitters. He's the guy to go to. I send everybody out to him. If they're looking for new equipment, I send them to Jersey, to Eric V, Eric Velson over in the Hockey Monkey. Now, these are people that know their business. Skate cutters. People always asking about skate cutting. Well, I got a friend that does it in the garage. That's not good. You know, there's three people that I trust. Christine Ragosi at a new bridge, Jeff Wong, and New York Edge Master. Those are the three top skate cutters in the city of New York. I, I use Christine at New Bridge. She's phenomenal. Great. She's phenomenal. The gentleman that she learned from used to work for a buddy of mine who owned a hockey store out in Freeport. <coughs> and um, who went into the baseball business instead. And uh the gentleman that he hired had that and the Port Washington skate shop. He was cutting in both places and he trained Christine. And she has blown it up. She's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Jeff Wong is as well. Um, you know, when Christine looks at it, when I bring a pair of skates out to her, she'll look down at them and then she'll look up at me. So you know that she's, you know, in essence saying, who did this? But she is phenomenal. So, Coach. These are the... Sorry. No, go ahead. Finish. No no worries. No, I'm just saying, these are the people that make the world go around. I was just going to ask you one last thing. If If anyone's out here listening who might be on the brink of not playing anymore who is looking to just get started in hockey? Do you have any advice for them? Uh, which one first? Whatever you want to give first. Anybody that's starting to play hockey, you want to be careful. You know, you want to be careful. You want to look at people's backgrounds, which you could do. You can get information, ask questions. Don't, don't, it's an expensive, expensive sport. And there's a lot of bumps, there's a lot of hills and valleys, and there's a lot of people out there that'll take your money and rip you off. So be conscious of it. Ask people, especially people that are in the game. If you know somebody plays, ask them. You know, ask just ask questions. Um, I had an instructor that taught me that years ago. Bruce Murphy and he had a way of 
he would find out information, he talked to people, and, you know, he was just very good at it, and I learned from him, not as good as him, but you ask, ask questions, can I ask you about this, oh, what do you think about that, oh, you use that, are those good, you know, it's, it's, it's common, common inquiry, you know, pleasant common inquiry, just ask questions, that's how you start, if you're going to quit hockey, Right. If you say, oh, ah, this, that, and the other thing, maybe before you do that, take a breath, sit back, and think about it. Because once you let it go, it's hard to bring it back the same way. It is. It's hard to bring it back the same way. Things change. Equipment changes. The game changes. Hockey never gets slower. It always seems to get faster and quicker. And it will pass you by. But once you get it in your blood, it's hard to get rid of. You know, I'll be one of those guys. They'll be in an old age home at about 130 years old, and I'll pick up, you know, with the bedpans, having you know hockey games. So tie tie that guy in the bed again, you know. <laughs> Coach, we can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been a great conversation, and obviously, you've affected all of our lives, and we're lucky to know you and. Thank you again for coming on. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, really. Um, remember, too, is that you've all affected my life as well. My life as well. You know, don't forget that. There's always a second half to that. That's why we still talk to each other. All right? And you know, as always, you There's know, a reason why you keep us around. The what? So There's always a reason why you keep us around. Yeah, well, you know, we, like minds, we all kind of, we don't sometimes, and I haven't seen... Ethan for so long, you know, and then I see him, and I'm skating in the street, and I see him, and then you know we we catch up, and it's like we haven't, we were never, you know, we saw each other yesterday, but it's been a while. But that's just the way it is, and yeah, it's a great community. And thank you for having me. I appreciate that. So, and right. as always, if you need me, you know where to find me. And this has been the boys of Seven Way to everybody. I'm Matt. We got Ethan. We got Mitch. Thank you again to Coach Sacco for coming on and talking with us. And we got Frankie. We don't know why Frankie's here, but we're rocking with him. Hope you guys all have a great evening. Good night.